Welcome to the Autobahn Country Club Podcast, where your host, club member John Grayfield, opens the doors to America's premier auto sports club. Now, here's John. Hello, everybody. While listenership is increasing, uh, we found that there are many club members who don't know we have our own podcast. So please share the podcast. An easy way to do this from the iPhone is go to the podcast app. And you bring up the podcast, and on the right side, there's a little circle with three dots. And if you click that, the next page comes up, and you can share the podcast, either text or email, to your friends. I sure would appreciate that. Getting more people to listen to the podcast really helps us out because we get more input back, and we can make better shows. This week's interview is with Jim Missig and his son, Jordan. The Missigs have been club members since 2015 and are very active. Jordan races in both the karting series and the Radical, and he got his start at an early age racing simulators, simulator racing. The interview covers a wide range and touches several interesting topics. Jordan and Jim told me that after the interview with driving instructor Tom Bagley last week or a couple weeks ago, Tom talked about his racing career and driving a Super V. They googled Super V just to see what it was, and the first hit is a YouTube video that contains an interview with Tom himself talking about the race that he talked about in the interview. So you can catch um, Tom racing this weekend, as a matter of fact, coming up here uh, mid-June at Indianapolis Motor Speedway in the Legends Racing Series. We'll have a few announcements at the end of the podcast, so stay tuned to find out if you can guess what car started up the show. And now we'd like to welcome club members Jim and Jordan Missig to the Audubon Country Club podcast. Well, welcome to the Audubon podcast. Today I'm sitting with Jim and Jordan Missig here at the South Timing Classroom on a very active Monday at the track. Welcome, gentlemen, to the podcast. Good morning. Thank you. Jim, are you from around here? Where did you grow up? I uh, grew up in the Joliet area. My parents moved to Juliet when I was about five years old and uh, stayed pretty local in the area and uh, got my education from this uh, schooling here, uh, mostly Catholic education, and um, really kind of been here ever since. All right. So uh, where are your parents from? Were they? My father is originally from uh, Ohio, and my mother is from uh, Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah. All right. So pretty close to the... How close were you from the... From the track here, like uh, from here, where we originally lived, which is really close to the University of St. Francis, uh, it's a good 15 minutes. Oh, yeah. so pretty close. Very close. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and actually, it's still very close to where we currently live, which is in Shanahan, and it's a good 25-minute ride here. So oh. It's not too bad. So we have a nice luxury of being fairly close. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very nice. So you went to school here locally and stuff. You said. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Jordan, you you just been. Did you grow up there in Shanahan? Uh, I actually grew up in Elwood when I first started, so I was relatively even closer than my dad was. Oh, okay. We were about maybe yeah. five minutes down the road from here, <laughs> living right on Manhattan Road down the road. Yeah. Um, grew up there since I was probably six or seven, and then we moved out to Shanahan. Okay, cool. Jim, have you always been a car guy? Have you? Um, I guess I have kind of an interesting story. Um, both of my grandfathers... Actually, at one point in time, sold cars. My grandfather from Ohio, my dad's father, uh, actually was in the used car business. 
you know, he actually was in, in a, on a race team as well. Um, he ended up getting a mechanical engineering degree, uh, was on a Formula One team uh, back in the mid-70s. No way. Yes. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I carted around with my parents quite a bit during that point in time, and uh, they actually ran at various different tracks, um, Watkins Glen, Road America, um, just to name a few. And I know that they've actually uh, ended up racing against Bobby Rahal at different times at that point in time. So, you know, you have to remember I was 7 to 10 years old, sometimes maybe even 12 uh, during that range. So I don't recall too much of it, but I just remember being around it all the time. And they were just in the car business then themselves, is it? Um, not my parents, no, but, but my, just my grandfather was okay. uh, in the used car business, correct. And in, you, in Ohio. In Ohio. And what, yeah. did, you, what did your parents do? They? Um, they actually met at Argonne National Laboratory, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> very cool. Yeah, that was very neat. Yeah. Oh, very nice. You kind of had a, you kind of liked, when did you kind of fall in love with cars or racing? or? Well, um. I guess kind of forever. Um, my father always kind of tinkered with cars. He uh, had a 1963 split window Corvette. Nice. Uh, bought it brand new. Oh, really? Still has it. No way. No, yep. Oh, Still that's cool. It. And it's actually out getting restored right now. And um, you know, a little bit about my career uh, in around cars is that uh, I was, was in the body shop business. And we opened shop in July of uh, 1987. Here in town, in actually a town of Rockdale, which is uh, just south of Joliet, um, in the little Quonset Hut Navy Barracks down in that area. Sure, yeah. Grew that company uh, to two locations and relocated in 1996 into a larger facility in, in Joliet and actually partnered up with a fellow and we uh, grew the company to uh, 17 locations. Um, our sales were quite well and did mostly collision repair work. I was one year and seven months shy of being in the business or owning the business for 30 years, and we ended up having a great opportunity to sell it off to a company called Service King. Our company name was called Car Care Collision Centers. Okay. And like I said, we did mostly all insurance claim accident repair work. almost 30 years. Almost 30 years, yeah. Did you work on cars? Did, how, how did that come about? Did you work on cars as yeah. a kid, body shop uh, kind of stuff? stuff or actually, quite frankly, I started in the driveway. Uh, I think my, my first uh, crack at anything mechanical-wise was on the 63 Corvette. I can't even remember how old I was, but um, I ended up changing the front stabilizer links on, this, on the front sway bar, which today is a very, very simple job. Um, I think it took me a whole thir- three hours to do the job at that point in time. So, um, <laughs> But, yeah, I ended up doing uh, some minor body work in the driveway on just some neighbor's cars. Uh, by no means was it fabulous quality, uh, but found out it could be you know, a great money-making opportunity and, and just uh, bought, repaired, fixed up, and sold a, a lot of cars at that point in time. Uh, ended up working for a gentleman. Um, I think even through late high school, even into uh, my college career, I uh, got all the experience from that standpoint because uh, he did a lot of show cars, so the quality had to be impeccable. Um, we did all the way from complete rust bucket used cars all the way up to accident repair and show cars, so I got the good, a good mix of uh, what good quality was and uh, decided to go out on my own. Um, with uh, an investment from my father of about $9,000. Uh, 
Oh, that's cool. And uh, I guess the rest is history. <laughs> oh, that is so cool. Yeah. So w- when did you uh, sell that company? How, how... I s- we sold it in November of 2015. 15, so about yeah. three years ago. Yeah, so. very close. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you miss it? Or... Um, I miss the people. I don't miss having to deal with the uh, insurance companies <laughs> sure. by any means. Sure. Because <laughs> um, obviously they're always looking to trim your margin one way or another because they're in the business to make money as well. So, But no, I don't miss the, that part of the business whatsoever. Yeah, I bet you that's challenging, continually yeah. challenging. Yes, it is. It's always changing. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Jordan, yes. you're uh, 19? 20. 20. Okay. 20 years old. So tell me about your, how did you get into cars? Did it, well, we, when I was young, my grandpa and my dad have been huge NASCAR fans when they were, when I was very young. They would go to NASCAR races before I was even thought of. And they've just been NASCAR fans their whole entire life, and it's just kind of trickled down into me. It's now put me into like a NASCAR fan, and the next thing I know, I've, loved racing ever since I was basically born and knew what a car was. So I've been a race, race fan. I loved motorsports ever since day one. So is, is NASCAR your favorite? Yes, NASCAR would be my favorite sport to watch. Yeah. So that started young? Of course. At like five years old. Five years old. Okay. My first race that I went to, I would say, would be Michigan of 2004 when I was a five and I barely even know what happened or what was going on. But you knew you were there. Yeah, I actually didn't even make it, make it through the first, first whole race. I actually got taken back to the RV <laughs> because I didn't really want to be there at first. <laughs> but later on, my mom told me that if I don't go, if I don't stay for the whole race, there's no point in bringing me anymore. And ever since then, I made it through every single race I've been to. Oh, very nice. Um, do you go to a lot of them, or we average probably around five to six a year? Oh, that's pretty good. I'd say we go to two Talladega races down in Alabama two Michigan races and then the race up here at Chicago to go to the Speedway and then maybe another race here and there. Well, that's pretty good. Uh, we do Bristol, um, Charlotte. Uh, I think the most races we did at any one point in time from a NASCAR traveling series was uh, 13 in one year. Oh, 13. That was like yeah. back in 14, I think? Yeah. Yeah, it was 2014 when we did that. And your first exposure, so I, I guess we're, we're getting to a very interesting I think is tremendously interesting. Do you have brothers, sisters? I'm by myself. By yourself, okay. At some point, if I understand this correctly, you get a Xbox computer or something. And so around back when I was like back in 2004, I know. Remember, I got a PS2, and I'd always just play NASCAR games on there by myself and just race against computers and everything like that. Been course back then i have no idea what to do or anything i'm just crashing into people and everything like that like every other kid does back in 2011 my dad purchased me an xbox 360 and we get the recent nascar game that comes out now this is my first time i can actually experience online racing and i actually start online racing with a couple random people because the new xbox 360 could be internet connected to other guys correct yeah multiplayer so. so did that Started getting into online racing. And you're racing with a, technically here, we're racing with a hand, the hand controller? Correct. You're okay. racing with a hand controller. The hand, the Xbox hand controller. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, we're, I just do online races, random matchmaking races, where I'm just put into a lobby with random people and start racing them, and found out that I was actually pretty good at this. 
at racing and started making friends with people, started getting connections with them, started talking to them because of how good of a racer we were and we were racing around people. And next thing you know, we just, by, I want to say, February of 2011, we're, I'm in an Xbox League, racing league on NASCAR. Okay, so, Dad, mm-hmm. um, like we all probably have felt, I actually, the X, first Xbox we bought in my house, I said that I owned, because I happened to, I was over in, uh, uh, I was in the Air Force over in Iraq, and a guy had an Xbox in our tent, and I was playing Halo, and I thought, oh, this okay. is kind of cool, and so when I came home, I swore and told my wife, I told myself that my kids will be outside, no video games, no nothing, they're going to be outside doing whatever, and I'll try to bribe them to stay, but... So here we go. I come home with my first Xbox, and I say it's mine. It did not last very long. No. <laughs> so I had this, and still have this, oh, my gosh, what did I do to bring electronics in? Did you similar have the same feeling? Or did you say, I hope he doesn't play this too much? Obviously, we want our kids to go outside. Um, originally, I had that feeling. Um, as time evolved, and we were traveling to a lot of these NASCAR races, I... Um, was fairly impressed at how Jordan would arrange from uh, different people he has been playing with online racing throughout the country that also were NASCAR fans, how they would arrange and hook up at several different races. Really? And, you know, you know how in our day we would meet people just by uh, going to school and socializing, you know, from what I call a normal level. Um, It was quite interesting to me to see how... Uh, his generation evolved into making friends uh, countrywide just from the internet-based racing program that was out there and and them organizing and and hanging out at these NASCAR races the whole weekend. Um, It was pretty neat. Um, Another experience that we had was, uh, you know, I'll dive back a little bit. Um, Our company, uh, we ended up using Exalta uh, coatings which is the paint company that we used as our supplier. And through that, we had a lot of nice um, situations through Exalta at these NASCAR races, several uh, um, meet and greets with Jeff Gordon, um, Dale Earnhardt Jr., and so forth. And uh, my wife, Diana, thought it was going to be clever uh, through a uh, one of the meet and greets with Dale Jr. to ask the question what his opinion was of iRacing and how it was affecting today's youth. And the answer she got is that he said iRacing was outstanding um, for cultivating young kids uh, through the racing format of iRacing is so technical that a person could actually learn how to be an engineer uh, from a race car standpoint, uh, as well as get a lot of uh, driving um different variables on how to control a car and and setups i mean it is just identical and jordan can expound on this um to the way it would be set up for a real race you actually have to go in and and set up your um, spring tensions um, caster camber air pressure the whole deal on iRacing and it's pretty uh so that was kind of kind of a point where the parents said well maybe maybe this would be maybe this will be good it could Not actually okay. be a, a teaching tool a teaching tool absolutely yeah and that's kind of when i turned the corner and said let them play let them go so you're at 
2012 ish, right? You're playing your Xbox. 2012, yes. In leagues, yes. Um, and what game exactly are you playing? So this is basically in 2012. It's a game called NASCAR Inside Line. NASCAR Inside Line. So this is probably the second. This is the third generation game that came out on Xbox for NASCAR wise. Um. And this is when all the league racing that I met with my friends and everything started to expound because, quite frankly, it's probably the best game that we've had on console-wise. So this is when, this in this game, that was true driver skill on how you can handle the car and how you can actually drive it, how hard you drive it, how take care, if you take care of your tires or anything like that. Like It had the true sim factors into this kind of a game. When you're looking at console, which is kind of quite frankly very rare to find. So did that. Um, had about say 16 guys in our league at this time, countrywide of all, course. Yeah, all across country, um, ranging from like New York to maybe all the way down to Texas. So we were doing this, and we did about the full NASCAR schedule. Yeah, young guys too. Season. I mean, is it young oh yeah, guys are... young guys. We're probably ranging around say. Hmm, from like 14 to 12 to 11, somewhere okay. around there, okay. in that young age group. So, But anyway, we're, we do all these races and everything, and then they would just get more people in the leagues and just start expounding, and then people start creating little more leagues and just create a whole community, basically, that we all like are now as one together, and we just kind of talk and meet up at these races that we go to. Um, and then as the leagues progress, the years continue to go on and we just start to get older and mature. Eventually we all start to move over to iRacing in about 2013, 2014, we start to move over to iRacing. So explain, I didn't know anything about this until your dad mentioned this word iRacing to me Mm -hmm. and never even heard of it. So iRacing started about that time, or when did it start? iRacing started around 2010, 2009. Okay. was when they first started, like, posting videos and also, like, doing actual races. Okay. But if you really wanted to go to, like, the roots of it, like, probably started around 2008 was iRacing. Okay. But iRacing started to go with, like, its championship series. And, and that's played on an X... Xbox? No, no, on a computer. So it's played on a computer. Yes. It's a subscription, right? It's subscription kind of based. Correct. Based, based racing on a computer. Mm-hmm. So you're moving from now from an Xbox platform to a computer-based platform. Mm-hmm. And the first time you do this, are you with a controller? Or now do you have a steering wheel? No, now we're going to a steering wheel. My The first steering wheel we got, the funny part is, when we first started IRAC, we just got the subscription and nothing else. So I had a set of pedals and a Logitech steering, a Microsoft steering wheel, actually. And this was like from 1998, this kind of <laughs> steering wheel. So I'll play with pedals and steering wheel that have like no force feedback in it, no nothing. And I'm just trying to drive these like little street stock cars in the rookie class series around. And I'm just spinning out everywhere I go because I have no grip. It feels like I'm just sliding in the corners. I'm just I'm losing the car everywhere. I'm like, I think I need to upgrade a little bit because my friend started talking to me from Minnesota. Started talking to me about his steering wheel that he has is a Logitech G27. And he started talking to me about it. And then my friend, who lived right, literally down the street from me, I told him about iRacing. And he actually had a different game. I think it was like Gran Turismo or something. Or something like that. I don't know what it was. But he had a Logitech G27 steering wheel. And I went over to his house one day and started 
playing his racing game on a G27 and it just felt so much better. It felt like I actually felt like I can actually control the car. Felt like all the bumps in the road as well as like the whole display and everything was so cool. I'm like, I need to get one of these. So I told my dad about it and I'm like, we need to get a G27, Logitech G27 for me so I can do iRacing. I think sure enough, I think about a month passed and it was here. I had the G27 and then I started doing sim races on iRacing and night and day clear difference from the driving style. You're actually able to feel the bumps with the steering wheel and all the force feedback. It really helps give you like the sense of where the road is and how the car actually feels from like your hand standpoint. So I did that, went through all the rankings of iRacing's ranking system. Oh, wait, no, hang on, hang on. You, Jim, had you ever sat down with the Xbox? Did you ever try to do some of this stuff? Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't drive it because, <laughs> you know, I'm used to sealing it, feeling it by the seat of my pants. Right. And, you know, when you're just looking at a screen and trying to, to do it, I can't do it. I'm not good at it at all. So I, I didn't even try to figure it out or do much of it. I remember we, we I was... I don't know what it was. We walked into a game store one time and I saw a steering wheel there Mm -hmm. and some pedals. And I go, Oh, this is cool. I said, we'll just get this. And I bought, um, Gran Turismo would have been Gran Turismo. Probably. Yeah. Uh, no Forza. One of the two. So I got that and I got home. And so I'm my son and I, we set it up in our new Xbox, I think. And I can't do anything. Actually, I was better with the, what I was better at was with the controller than I was with the actual steering wheel. And, which I thought was interesting. So I remember I tried to play it for maybe an hour or two and just could not control anything right. and, just, and just completely gave up. Um, and I think he finally settled, my son, who's just turned 14, he finally, this a few years ago, he finally settled on maybe playing it with his controller, I think, a little bit better. Because we didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know that there was a difference in controllers or anything like that. So... Um, so now iRacing, explain the format of iRacing. So you start iRacing and you start it is a, a progression of skill level? Well, what iRacing does is deals with like safety rating. What they, what they do is about a lap you complete, the size of the field, the, like the difficulty of the field, as well as like the incidents you have. So what you can do is you get incidents for like spinning out, making contact with another car, hitting the wall or something like that, or losing control of your car. So if you have less incidents and you complete a lot of laps, your safety rating is going to go up. Now, they class it by rookie, D-class, C-class, B-class, and A-class, and then professional, and then pro. Now, if you get a higher safety rating, your uh, less spin-outs, mm-hmm. the less spin-outs you have, the, your safety rating increases. Yes. So the more your safety rating increases, the way iRacing does it is you have to have a safety rating of 3.0 to get promoted to each class division. And you start off in like rookie class racing like little streak stock cars that you would see at your local short track every Saturday or Friday night. So you do those races and once you get to like a 3.0, those promote you up to what they call a D class. From there, you can do like super late models, late model races, start getting to like bigger tracks. Is it oval type racing? Yes, this is oval type racing. And they have the same thing for road too, where you start off in like Mazda MX-5s and start doing those races for like road course races. Then you start getting up to like a little bit bigger cars, like the um, late models, like I was saying, for oval racing. And then as you progress from D class to C class, B class, and A class, you get to start to start to get into the bigger cars. Like say you, for D class, you could be doing like 
radicals or something and then c class you get up to like porsches b B class you get up to like uh let's say like the corvettes or daytona prototypes and then a class you can get up to like formula one cars is this so a subscription you're paying a subscription every monthly i guess right or something you can pay yearly or something or you can pay every month three months or yearly and do you have to pay more to get a different car does it cost like money to buy a different car? The unfortunate part about IRC is that you have to pay for every track and every car you want to drive. But when you start off, you're given like at least, I think, 10 tracks and 12 different cars that you could start off with. And they have the rookie class cars and tracks there for you when you purchase your account. So you don't have to pay for those. You can go through the whole rookie class without paying anything towards iRacing besides your subscription and, and then what's like a to go to, to get a porsche gt3 or something is that is that like i think is that a lot iRace, of money? no it's about maybe 12.95 12 okay. bucks a okay. car and then i think it's like 15 bucks a track okay okay interesting interesting so you're seeing so you had heard jim you had heard the iRacing from dale Hunter jr so now you're kind of well, he's okay. fully he's fully engaged with the iRacing at this point in time, um, even to the point to where um, I ended up buying him a full fledged simulator, uh, stage five simulator with the, the seat that moves, the screens on all sides, the steering wheel, the vibration, the whole thing. So, at what point did this? How, uh, at what point did you? How many years into it did you say, "Hey, let's get a simulator"? Uh, he's had the simulator now since uh, 2015. How much research did you do? for this uh we did a lot of research on it because there were uh obviously cost levels um you you could spend anywhere from hundred thousand dollars if you wanted to this one was very reasonably cost uh priced uh it was in the um mid-20 range Mm -hmm. uh so you know it it has a lot of computer technology I and mean, the, the computer box and this is one like i've never seen before it stands at least uh three feet tall it's about a foot wide and has at least three powerful fans in there to keep it cool because it's really hopping to to keep all the the graphics on the tvs running right and three tvs right three tvs three tvs and yeah. motion side to side up side and down to side, vibration vibration the okay. whole thing yeah mm-hmm. and did you Jordan, how did you take a look at this? Because um, from a simulator standpoint, we're this weekend we're taking some baby steps, and uh, I bought my son some PVC pipe mm-hmm. and told him how to keep his thumb out of the way of the power miter box, and uh, so they were him and his my nephew were building and completed a PVC racing rig, I guess we call it, um, to put the equipment onto. Um, <laughs> That's our first step. So we're kind of taking baby steps. When you're looking at, did you come from a flat screen computer um, first, or did you bu- start building slowly to three monitors, and then before you got the simulator? I came with the flat screen computer first when I started okay. off. I just had the single one monitor to where I had to look, press the buttons on my steering wheel to look left to right and everything to see who was on my inside and outside of that. Oh, so I had sure. the single monitor, and maybe about. It, it was pretty small to where I, you can almost need a squint to see where <laughs> everyone is. But as we grew, I grew into bigger monitors and then eventually to the sim itself. Was it a big switch? I mean, when you went from, <clears throat> did it help a lot? For... It was a little weird at first to be able to actually like tilt your head left to, like turn your head left to right to actually be able to see who was to your inside and outside, left and right. And then just to have the vibration and 
see actually move bring into play as well was another factor of itself. So it was definitely an adjustment that I had to be made and had to get used to. I think it took me like two an, an hour. Well, maybe like that. <laughs> an hour or two to get uh, used to it um, oh, after like playing on it for a while. But after that, like. It was kind of weird to feel like all the movements like when you actually spin out, the seat actually wants to move with you. Mm-hmm. So like you actually feel the seat move and then can actually sometimes when the car wants to get loose, you can feel it a little bit too. So like when the back end wants to kick out, you can somewhat feel it in your rear end a little bit. And so in your simulator, the, the, the pedals and steering will move with you? Um, yes. So there's different levels of simulating. You can get a seat butt kicker, they call it, mm-hmm. and a little simulator for the seat because... Thanks to you guys, I've spent a lot of hours researching this and, and thinking about this and the direction to go. And the next step is, you know, the, the, the seat mover works pretty good, but then you, again, you're not moving the steering wheel and pedals. So it's somewhat, well, it's still artificial, but it's somewhat really artificial when your butt's moving, but the steering wheel, of course, in a car, everything would, everything would move. It's all on a chassis. So just picture a whole chassis moving left to right and so forth. Kind of so, swinging so left and right. kind of moves with you. Yes. Yeah. And Jimmy had mentioned to me the difference in like how a person trying to do simulator racing for the first time and then opposite. I, I, explain kind of the difference in the feeling because what happens with it's it's for me, it's still very difficult. Um, the only thing I would use a simulator for is to learn a particular track uh, that you might be going to race at or whatnot um, to actually, you know, get the true feeling of how the car feels going into the corner i personally don't get that i don't know if jordan does or not um but yeah without growing up on the video machines like the the youth of today has i think us older folks as i'll call it have a major disadvantage from being able to compete uh, on a professional level on a simulator it's very difficult for myself and i don't know what your experience is on that but um you know, when you've had quite a bit of experience driving a normal car and then to try and drive a simulator, in my opinion, it's a little difficult. Uh, but today's youth seems to do very well with it. Yeah, it's somewhat difficult to go from car to simulator, but it's quite another thing to go from simulator to car. Mm-hmm. In Again, since you guys started me down this uh, track, you know, watching Jim, you had mentioned to watch a couple of videos, and I watched a show, a couple of shows that talk about it, and, and some videos and different things. It was quite enlightening mm-hmm. to see that difference. And you, and so Jordan, what? So you're doing this up until, and so you get your driver's license at 16. Mm-hmm. Had you been any kart racing or do anything prior to any other racing part of that? We just purchased right after I got out of high school um, our first Margate go kart, which over at the car track, which we just started racing. And back then, when we first started racing here at the Audubon Car League, there was like maybe five people that were racing. So let's go back to the to the Audubon. What, what, when did you guys join the Audubon? Or did you probably knew about it for a long time, I guess, right? Probably in the um, beginning? Well, yes. I, <clears throat> I knew about the Audubon uh, way early on when Basso, Mark Basso, was out uh, promoting throughout the community. And I actually saw him speak about it at a Juliet Rotary meeting. Um, years back so i've known about it for a while obviously fully engaged in the business didn't had absolutely zero time to be able to um, dedicate towards this because uh, i was married to the company and uh, we actually just joined the audubon uh, shortly 
prior to selling the company. So we became a social member in, I'm, I'm guessing, 2015. It was 2015. Yeah. I don't okay. exactly remember what It's about the same time as we did, we did I yeah. think, yeah. Yeah. And um, fully engaged him on the, uh, the go-kart side. So your first entrance here, uh, social members, mm-hmm. and you're going to be, and you're looking at doing some, some, some karting. Correct. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> when they start. So you must have been one of the first Margay karts, probably. One of the very first ones, probably. They actually, I think I was probably one of the first Margay karts, but I wasn't here for like the very first race they ever did here. Oh, okay. Oh, we so actually close. missed the first race we were did because I think we were in Michigan at the time or somewhere else. We were out at a race or something, and we missed the first race here and then came back and ended up taking off from there. So you, so how old were you? at? So 15, so that's, what, three years ago? So you're six, just, just at 15, 17, 16, um, 16, 17? I was at 16 when I 16? started doing this. So, so get, getting in the cart and mm-hmm. come on. What was your first... Um, so you obviously now you're trying to find, follow a line. Did you fall right into it when because of the sim racing? Did you feel or you had an understanding, obviously, probably of what it meant to f- drive the line, right? Yeah, breaking zones and everything, mm-hmm. apexes. Yeah, it just had to be all getting used to the car and how the car felt. And because this is like the first time I actually got into something where I'm going to be feeling it in like the, in my seat for the first time with a suit on and everything. So. Going into the first corner, I think I spun out a couple of times and then finally got back going. And this is all what I'm just by myself on the racetrack. And we're just kind of trying to get used to the car and everything. And I'm all by myself, just trying to learn a line. Finally, I built the confidence and I'm thinking, yeah, I think I could do this really well. And lo and behold, a couple of guys come in with their carts and we're like, Hey, can I run with you guys? I feel like I have all the confidence in the world that I can run with these guys and compete with them. And they're like, yeah, sure, go right ahead. So get on the cart. First lap, I go out, spin to turn one, and next thing you know, some guy runs into me. Oh, no. <laughs> so broke the spindle and everything and the tire, uh, the, um, what is it, the mount on our tire mm-hmm. and the rim. And broke the, the, the guy's spindle as well on his cart. Right. And it was all, it was clearly my fault. I mean, I went in the corner so hot thinking I could pass him, and then I just spun out and slid off the racetrack, and he slid into me afterwards. So that was my first incident, basically day one of having the cart. Welcome aboard. <laughs> exactly. So, so Jim, did you? What was the genesis of coming here? Was it for the karting? Was it for just for Jordan? Was it? No. He wanted to do the whole experience, kind of get the, everything in. Yeah, I knew that it was um, from our family standpoint. And- uh, our love for racing and cars and so forth. I knew it was a place for us that we would truly enjoy and um, have been growing uh, with our involvement through the, uh, through the Audubon here and um, we're fully engaged. Um, so you, so you, you get in the first year as a, a social member and you get a card mm-hmm. and then what's the next, the next step you say, well, wait, let's, what was the next car? So you guys convert over to a, uh, full membership. Full membership. Full membership. Mm-hmm. And did you, were you driving on the track at that point? Were you driving a streetcar on the track? Or what What did you first take on the track? We just experienced or experimented with uh, our, our normal cars just to kind of get a feel for it. And, um, you know, we jumped right in, uh, bought the Radical. Bought a Radical first. Yeah. And then the Miata. And then a Miata, not a Miata. Miata. Okay. So, right, right. <laughs> um, the Radicals, um, 
anybody knows me, I'm a little bit bigger guy. So the open cockpit was enticing to me to be able to get into it much easier than any other car. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, um, you know, I, I've yet to run my first race in the Radical. Mm-hmm. I will admit that. And I've had the cars out on the track, just getting used to the track. Uh, it's still, but I had the company, so I wasn't able to dedicate the time. Um, through the evolution, Jordan ran a few uh, Miata races and uh, did quite well with that. Uh, podium, I think, every time he ran a race. Besides uh, one. Where besides I... one, yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, he was working part-time for Team Stradale and was around. Uh, he worked in the v- works, still works there, uh, in the VIP uh, portion of it. Um, loves being around the atmosphere. Team is great. And uh, he wanted to go in the Radical, so I let him go in the Radical. And uh, so yours, so getting getting back here, so you're from the carts, and then you guys get the Radical first, and you're chomping at the bit. And you said, "Dad, let me drive the Radical." And he said, "Maybe we should get a Miata first. Or he said, "Give me about a year or two <clears throat> to right. before I can do any of that in the cart or in the Miata in the Radical. Actually. In the Radical, okay. He said, "Give me like a year or two and see how you are and everything like that." So then we bought a Miata for me because that was probably the next step up for me. And then Makes sense. I did my first race, which was on North Track. Uh, so you're 17? 17, 18, 17 at this time, 17? yes. 17. Okay. Um, just starting to look at, learn stick shift a little bit and starting to get used to the track. And then did my first race. We were running about, what, second, I think, in the SM2 class. And then went into turn six and north. And foot brakes went straight to the floor. Found out that we had burned a wheel bearing. Wow. Right off of the car. And it was just straight to the floor, went straight off the track, and it was probably about maybe 20 feet from the wall, but facing backwards, though. So got it back to the pits and everything, and then did about two races after that. It was a so, how dump. did you? So, let's go back to some of the training that you're getting. So, you get the Miata mm-hmm. and you get some coaching, or did you? Got you, some coaching. From Cole Bosley, who was over our team Stradale working at the time. Okay. Um, he's not there anymore, unfortunately. So I did coaching with him, and then I finally got into my races with. So how long, how many how many track days did you have that you're just? I think I had about three track days with him. And and then you get your race license and go. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Great. And there was a lot of karting involved prior to that. So quite a bit. With about maybe a year and a half of karting. Year and a half of karting. Yeah. And so the first time, so so were you there the first time he got ran into? I was there. I and was there every time that there was damage to the car. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> He's been there the through thick and thin. So the first time you guys, he somebody runs into him, did your heart say, oh, my God, what's... No. No, it was totally... No, it was I, like, I was fine. I mean, it was kind of a slow motion type accident. Okay. Um, and the, the gentleman that he hit, I honestly don't remember who it was, was very understanding and... Uh, uh, kind of took blame on it himself because he knew it was Jordan's first time out there and, and said he should not have even been racing a new guy that, that hard. So it was, a, I think, a learning experience for both of them. But, you know, throughout um, getting involved with <clears throat> Margay and their Ignite series and doing a lot of the travel stuff and so So did forth. you start, yeah, so let's go back to that uh, for a second. So the first cart season would have been 2017, right, last year? Or was no, it, 16, it was 16. 16. Was okay, season. so the yeah. first, at the end of the, probably the end of the, toward the end of the year? Um, in 16? Yeah. So, and it, and so you're doing that, and so kind of comes up to 2017, and you decide, 
you didn't do the traveling ignite stuff. No. So, but last year you did 2017. Last so 2018 year, now we yeah. the first race we ever did traveling wise was Indianapolis, the Battle of the Brickyard, and we said that race because it was thought it was cool to actually go race at the Brickyard, especially yes, in which carts, is, right? which is an incredible experience to do. And that was last summer. That was last summer, yes. Summer. Okay. And there was about 46 carts out there, so it's a pretty big field for ignite carts. So we did that, did the travel racing, found out we did pretty well. We had an up and down weekend that week, I should say. We started, I think we were qualified 31st, then we made our way up to 16th, and then in the first heat race, in the second heat race, we ended up getting pushed off into the wall to where we broke an axle. And I mean, the axle was like basically a 90 degree straight up <laughs> broken fix, and it's just like limping. Oh, wow. So we got that done, so we had to... St- course wherever you finish is where you start for the final race so we're starting all the way back in 46 dead last oh my gosh and about a 14 lap race and that track it's it's a pretty big track for carts so there's a lot of time especially with the draft on these carts these carts suck up pretty good and out of all that we ended up finishing 16th where we first started oh wow that's pretty good and did you did you enjoy the traveling the ignite guys did you enjoy yeah. oh yeah they're, they're they're a great group um you know, there can be some testy moments because yeah, it's driving out there and it's uh, it's very, very competitive. Um, and we found that out by, uh, we went to the Rock Island Grand Prix last year as well. Yep, it's a Rock Island race mm-hmm. at, on, the streets, on the streets in in Rock Island. Pretty mm-hmm. famous for, I mean, yeah. been around for a long, long time. Yeah. yeah. And so, that was the second one that you did? That was the second travel race we ever did. And you kind of sign up for Mark. Does, do, you, do you guys sign up for the Margay service? That they kind of yeah. So they kind of help you and and pit crew for you, and stuff right. Like that, right? There, there are mechanics there. I mean, they have usually if it's a big event, they'll have uh, huge tents set up. Um, usually, one mechanic to four to six different carts. Um, very, very experienced thing. They they truly know how to you know through input from the driver and so forth how to set them up for you and um, really get the top performance out of them because you know the carts are the carts after that it's all driver ability so it's it's a good setup really is so you did all last you traveled all last year right we did the three big races last year okay so three big races and this year and how many races total in the series there's five races in the Margate Night Challenge Series. Okay. And then they had what they call a Triple Crown Series that they just started this year. But there's four big event races that Margate puts on that they actually travel with, like WKA, the World Karting Association, or USAC, or anything like that. So the five races that they do are Quincy at TNT Carways, Mid-State, here at Audubon. Then they'll do... Um, 61 Carway, and then they'll go to their home track at Gateway. And that's for the Ignite Challenge. And then for the karting series, the Triple Crown series that they do is, for this year, they're doing the Quincy Grand Prix, which is actually next week, which is a famous uh, karting track that they have are trying to advertise. Then they have the Brickyard, the Battle of the Brickyard, Rock Island, and then they have Daytona down in December. And, and, and you're doing all those this year, right? Is I'm that- not able to do Quincy. Um, because we're going to Michigan. Um, I'm going to do the Battle of the Brickyard, and then I'll do Daytona later in the year. Oh. I won't do um, Rock Island, because I have a reason for that later on. And, and that's all point standings. 
Um, and point standings for the Ignite Challenge. And Ignite Challenge, and that's what you're, and you're pretty Se- high up. In second in points. Second in points. That's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. And you're, just to be clear, you've done this. This will be your third year. Third year in cars, and you're racing with guys that have been doing this since they've been six years old, probably. Close to it, yes. Yes, and so you're doing. To say you're doing well is an under. I think personally, I think is an understatement. Mm-hmm. I can, I can say that you don't have to. You don't have to pat your own self on the back. I can pat your pat your back for you myself. Because yeah, I looked at your point standings to see where you were. I think last time I looked, you were third. So mm-hmm. obviously, this last race, um, you bumped up a little bit. Yeah. So it's it's pretty incredible that you've done it that quickly and that fast mm-hmm. to be able to um, to be able to make it up that high, mm-hmm. that high in the rate in, in the rate standings. So. What do you think of the carding, specifically of the carding, Dad? you think it's pretty valuable? I think it's extremely valuable. I think what um, Jordan should expound on a little bit was our Daytona experience. Uh, yet this year, it was in, uh, just after Christmas of uh, So the race is in this winter. Yep. Yeah. And um, they brought in some professional drivers. They had uh, Gabby Chavez uh, that was there and uh, Zach Beach, uh, both IndyCar drivers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll let Jordan take it from there because I think you should uh, boast about that one a little bit. So we were at a practice session and I was following behind Zach Beach and we're like in the carts, we're all in like a line drafting each other. He's from, he's from Indy, right? Yeah. Isn't he from Indy? They're both Indy car drivers. Mm -hmm. No, I mean from Indianapolis. I think he, didn't he grow up in Indianapolis? I believe so. Yeah. So So. I'm following behind Zach Beach and we came up to a slower guy and we had the dive bomb past him. And then next thing you know, I get a little help from behind. As I get spun around, I turn around, and it's Gabby Chavez. <laughs> so I got spun out by Gabby Chavez and turned th- um, in the third practice session while we were at Daytona. Oh. So that was fun. He came up to me afterwards and said, sorry about spinning you out. I was like, it's fine, man. It's nothing that bad. It was just, it wasn't intentional. I knew that. And just had a little conversation with him. And then Zach Beach came over and had a nice conversation with them and got to know him a little bit more. Did they grow up karting? Uh, yes, they actually did. Got, uh, Gabby Chavez was actually uh, racing in WKA, which is the World Karting Association, when he started. Oh, very and, cool. Yeah, I, I, my wife and I actually were having a conversation um, about the karting stuff. And from new, relatively new people uh, in the club here, the one thing that's cool that, I, that we just kind of really notice is when we're carting because we were there all day saturday we my, I had three kids there and they did 100 laps almost 100 laps each all day long it was a lot oh, yeah. of carting mm-hmm. and the carting paddock area is so is kind of close so you know you come out here and you drive the miata or you know a radical or something they kind of disperse i mean kind of it's teamster dolly is kind of a, a club in itself you know very uh, you know, a place where you're going to see your friends and everything else. Mm-hmm. The, but a lot of it is scattered out. So when we take our Miata off the track, we either put it in a trailer or go to the garage or something. And we don't really hang out with all the other drivers. Where the karting experience, one thing that was really cool, we really said, well, yeah, yeah, because everybody's there. Right. So the parents get to talk to parents. The drivers get to talk to the drivers. And it's, it's, it's we've really liked it. We've actually allowed my son to get Snapchat now because there's a kid carting Snapchat group. So uh, he finally beat us down <laughs> on that so that they can all communicate via Snapchat, which I think I know what that is. Um, so I, I, I'm really high on on carting, and we're we're we'll, we're full in on on carting. We got some more carts coming, and hopefully they're here today. So you can't beat the experience, really. 
And no. from a youth standpoint, your kids are very young. Um, they'll get great benefit out of it, and you'll get awesome rewards too. You know, as a parent, well, being involved. I think that we, as a group, I mean, Jordan is like. He is like an IndyCar driver when he comes down to the car track. All the kids want to know what Jordan's doing. Want to, you know, they can't wait when they see him out there. They all want to get out and run with him. And um, to brag again a little bit on Jordan is the way he works with the kids and sometimes works with the kids is way beyond his age, I think. He will come out there and he taught my son and my son came off the track the last time and told me what he had learned and the changes that he had made just because Jordan stayed behind him and then got in front of him and let my son stay behind him for a little bit. It was pretty cool. And the way that you um, are so welcoming, Jordan, I'm speaking to Jordan, the way you're so, and dad too, you've been very welcoming and helpful too, don't get me wrong. Uh, But the rock star here, when he shows up... um, The way you talk to the parents and encourage the parents and help them and direct them, I think is a huge thing because we all look as a parent over there going, boy, that could be my kid when he's 20 years old. That's what I want him to be when he shows up at the car track. That's how I want him to be. And um, not only are you the fastest, the current last year's champ and hold the course record, but you're also a great mentor and um, role model. I think if we want a, a real role model that's there every day, I think you're doing a great job. <laughs> so I, I think you're a pretty humble guy, but I just wanted to say that. I and think it, that's a very true and nice compliment. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's great. And um, I, yeah, we, we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun on, on Saturday when other, some other guys showed up. So now, okay, so we're carding. We've kind of covered that. And so um, you're getting – so you jump right into the Miatas. And how many races do you have in the Miatas for I've only done three races. Three races. And then you say – had you been tracking the lap in the Radical yet? Yeah, we were we were kind of like – because I've been working with the Radicals, so I'm kind of understanding what they – like how they work and everything. And then Louis Schreiber comes up to me, who also had a cart down there at yep. the car track. He comes up to me and says – you know, if you do well, you're doing so well in these carts. It's just like the radical. You will do well in the radical and excel in the radical. And I literally took that advice to heart. And next thing you know, I jump in the radical and start doing some laps. And the guys at Stradali are like, "Where did this kid come from?" Like, because I'm putting down laps that are like about mid pack to all these guys in like my fifth time out there. And so you equate. The foundation, if I understand this right, um, please correct me. So you, you have this foundation of eye hand, superior eye-hand coordination from years of simulator racing. Yes. You now make a quick step into karting mm-hmm. to add the seat, the one element that you don't get, but the eye-hand coordination. Now you got seat of the pants feeling in the cart when you're out there. Correct. And that now translates into very well in the Miatas. Was there any – okay, I look at I – mean, I, we just bought him out of this year. My son's been out there a couple times. We started putting him on the actual course in our rally car, which he had a lot of experience in. But I do look at a radical as a big jump. Was there any in, intimidation or in, uh, uh, apprehension with letting him jump in there? Or? Yes, there was, very much so. I mean, <laughs> always, I mean that is a major step, as you clearly say, stated. Um, 
I made sure that Francesco talked owner to him. at Team Stradale, yeah, yeah, yeah talked to him uh, quite extensively and just kind of told him to keep it easy and so forth and ease into it. And uh, he listened, um, but you know, then he really started to perform and, like he said, lay down some good laps um, until Jordan got fairly, you know, competitive, which he's fairly competitive in it right now, especially with the local league here. Um, I always made sure Francesco talked to him a little bit because he won't listen to me, obviously. You know, we're <laughs> at that point in time in life, but uh, someday he'll figure that out. <laughs> but um, it was always good to have him chirp in his ear a little bit. And, and now Francesco's, you know, pretty solid. He's like, he's doing well. He's making calculated um, choices and uh, not putting anything at high risk. Um, yeah, it's a little risque, you know, some of the moves that he's made just because from, you know, people are saying, how's your car holding there? You know, how are you making sure your tires are warm and so forth? And he has his little things that we've talked about and how he does that. Um, just to kind of, so he can swing on the outside and the starts or whatnot. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to talk too much about that. But, um, I think he's done very well at it. And uh, right now I don't have really much fear at all. Um, obviously there's always some danger involved. Uh, and you hope that never occurs to anybody. But um, I'm, I'm totally confident that he can continue doing what he's doing and, and hopefully move on to something better. So your first Radical races were last year, 2017? Last year when the Radical Cup guys um, had, when Audubon had, like, that's Radical Cup, the Oktoberfest, yeah. And did you podium on that one? I finished fourth when we had the huge melee pileup over in turn one when everyone just decided to go synchronized spinning. Oh, so it was like big eight or nine cars went synchronized spinning and had a huge crash in turn one. I ended up finishing fourth in that race. And then the next race... I ended up finishing third, so I told Pony on my second race. Last America. year? Yes. Last year? And then, so this year, the first race, you got... I got second, second in that first second. In that race. First, yeah, second place in that first race. And that, that was something that I didn't realize, because I knew you were uh, very active in karting, and then I looked, I think last year, and I saw your name, and I go, oh, he's doing that too. But I didn't see that, how well you were doing last year. And then this year, I was like, whoa, yeah. That's pretty cool. I think everybody was like that too after the first turn and the first race of that race when I was side by side with Antoine and took the lead from him and led like the first eight laps of the race. Yeah, um, Antoine, the current radical champ, I would mm -hmm. say, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Former uh, Miata champ, I think, too, right? Was it? Yeah, he yeah, did win one year, yes. Has some of the track time records here. So, um, but yeah, it's pretty interesting starting from. And and so I guess I am looking at the sim racing. My son, like I said, just turned 14. My daughter, who's just got a cart, hopefully today, um, trying to make, we'll see if she, I'm, obviously my son's going to be very interested in eye racing mm -hmm. and things like that. I'm not quite sure my my daughter is, uh, she's not much of a gamer, but mm -hmm. uh, she does like the karting, karting side of it. Um, you know, to make a similar kind of transition from, that simulator racing to karting to you know real cars i think that uh you've laid down a, a pretty interesting story and playbook that um makes a lot of sense mm -hmm. i think it does to, it does to me so where um so we got uh 
karting is going strong mm-hmm. and uh, radical racing. What, what's Jordan, where do you see what's next for you? And well, the next step with me would be to do the travel racing with um, Team Stradale and do the Pirelli World Challenge Radical Cup traveling racing. Um, we have our marks set for this year to do my first travel race at Watkins Glen, which is the same weekend as Rock Island, the Grand Prix. That's in which, New York, right? Yes, in New yeah, York. That's in New York. Yeah. So we're going to try to do that and travel with the Radical Cup guys and get my first race up at uh, Watkins Glen that weekend. And so your son's driving a Radical, and so you say, I hear that you now are going to join the fun with... A yep. new new car? Yeah, the new car is here. Uh, it's wrapped, and uh, I just did my seat fitting uh, Saturday. Okay. Um, and uh, should be able to get back out in the car in a couple of weeks once the seat gets back. Oh, yeah. very nice. Do, are you interested in in racing? To also, getting in the races or yes. just? Yeah, obviously, I you know I don't have the ambitions that Jordan has. And <laughs> common sense comes into play, I guess, a little bit because you know youth. He has youth on his side, and I sure. look at that wall and say that's going to hurt. Right, <laughs> but, uh, but yes, absolutely. I intend on fully getting in the track and getting involved in the, in the racing portion of it, uh, whether it's last place or whatnot. Just out to have fun, and it's more recreational for me than anything. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. Well, well, thanks, guys. It's been a, a very cool story. Um, I love hearing about you know particularly how our guys got involved in the club and and what they're doing. And I don't. I think this is a story that's not. It's not the end. I mean, I think we're going to see a lot more of Jordan. I'm excited to see where the next steps. What What's your ultimate goal? Ultimate goal in racing? Because I think you've mentioned to me, like, wh- where would you like to be? Ultimate goal. So my dream goal in racing is to. It's quite frankly not in the race car. It's actually to be a NASCAR spotter for a race team out there. So what we try to do with the connections that we have is. This weekend, we go to Michigan. I'm actually getting an internship with ARCA to work behind the scenes of everything that happens throughout the whole race weekend. And then Saturday, my mom actually has got me connections with Jimmy Johnson, spotter Earl Barwin, to where I actually get to go on top of the spotter stand with Earl and actually shadow him while he's spotting for the race. Very so cool. Very I've, cool. I've already been able to do that with uh, Venerini Motorsports at ARCA, where I got to go on top of the spotter stand here in Chicago and watch one of the races there but now to do it actually at a full nest like an actual nascar race is a dream come true so there's one spotter per race one spotter per car um on most tracks yes on the road courses they tend to have maybe two to three because you can't see the whole track from okay. one area so okay. but for most tracks there is a perch high above the racetrack to where you're able to see the entire racetrack so and yes. again just to step back i would cover some more so you're in college now you're going to school correct and what are you studying i'm a communications major okay so it's, oh, it makes sense right <laughs> <laughs> so you want to talk for a living sure it makes sense so uh communications major one question that i, I didn't ask about the i race i racing is you can be a professional i racer right correct for, so they, for money there's guys making a living doing this so there's guys that are racing in these i racing professional leagues that are going for like ten thousand ten grand oh, they're racing for 10 grand um and these guys have like actual teams they have actual like almost engineers working on their setups i mean it's like full-fledged actual racing they have actual sponsors i mean they put like every day every second of the day and practicing for these setups and practicing for the races coming up. Are there spotters in iRacing? They can be, yes. There are spotters, yes. (laughs) That's how I practice. Oh, really? That's how I practice. I have a buddy of mine that does these races, and we do like a Road to Pro series because we're trying to get into that series, and I actually spot him throughout the race. 
And, how, and so you go on the computer and you set up, I'm going to be a spotter, and it puts you in a position where you can see. See, you can put a spotter. They do give you the regular camera views, but for me, I try to be as realistic and authentic as possible. So I try to get into the actual spotter stand and try to zoom out to the actual spotter view <laughs> to where I can actually be the authentic spotter. Wow. Wow, and you do this from your racing sim, sim mm-hmm. that you're sitting there doing that? Yep, I do it from my sim rig. Wow. Wow. That's pretty incredible. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Jim, for c- coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure. We'll, we'll see you around the track. And, um, guys, if you're over at the karting track and you see these two gentlemen over there, they're, they will help you and immensely. So, uh, I'm sure, well, anywhere else around the track, I'm sure anywhere else around the track, not just uh, focusing on there. I I just seem to always be asking questions there, but (laughs) well, thanks guys. I appreciate it. Thank Thank you. you. Well, that's the show everybody. Thanks for listening. I'd like to thank Jim and Jordan again for coming on the podcast. It was a lot of fun. I sure learned a lot. Let's see coming up, uh, This month, the 14th Thursday, we had a change, so a uh, rally cross race is the 14th, uh, the evening of the 14th, Thursday the 14th, and uh, Ladies' Day this month is Tuesday the 19th. We did a special uh, recording for Ladies' Day last week, so that'll be up on a show coming up soon. The car that started us off today was a 2011 Lexus LFA. Uh, The LFA was made from 2010 to 2012, and it had a 4.8 liter, even firing V10. A pretty awesome car, and it sounds wonderful. And we'll see you next time on the Audubon Country Club Podcast. You've been listening to Autobahn Country Club Podcast, where your host, club member John Graybill, opens the doors to America's premier auto sports club. Join us next time for Autobahn Country Club Podcast.